Welcome to the eighth episode of Easter Bowl 2014 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me as always is the Canadian who retreats into himself when he really focuses, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. And the guy who once told us that whether you take big bites or small, the size of the banana is the same, David Bindley. Good morning. Good morning. Thought I'd preempt one of your uh, your goodbye messages. I do like a big banana. And this this I'd forgotten is a very odd episode. Are we watching Vidim or Expedition Robinson? Yes. They're not even on the same network, I don't think, are they? That, well, that's what surprised me. That, that was my first question was, do they air on the same channel? Because they're referencing Survivor a lot in their confessionals. You don't really see reality shows reference TV shows on competing networks, especially in American television. I mean, look at look at Channel 10 in Australia. They don't, they don't even reference the first three seasons of Amazing Race Australia on the Amazing Race Australia. Well, they're kind of being forced to mention other networks when it comes to Australian Challenge, given that the casting pool for 10 shows is so shallow and everyone said no to them that they're having to go to other networks, which is fun, including someone from one of the first three seasons of Amazing Race Australia, if you believe that she wasn't in the hospital. The best thing about this whole parody is the fact that, as far as I'm aware... Expedition Robinson has never filmed in El Nido. Oh, really? They haven't even gone out there. They just where do they usually film? The only place they've been to in the Philippines, as far as I'm aware, is Karamoan. Oh, okay. So way up north. Okay. My favorite part about the first half of this episode is just everyone complaining about how much they're withering away and how much they are suffering when they're there for not even twenty four hours. It reminded me of Michael Scott's the episode of The Office when. Michael Scott does Survivor Man and wants to head into the Pennsylvania forest. And he says, oh, it's been about two to three hours since I've last eaten. It's time for me to find some nourishment. And then here in Vidim, I believe one of the quotes was Sophie saying, oh, I've never heard my stomach rumble so loud. And then Tigo says, yeah, it's been three to four hours since we last ate. So we really need to pay 1,500 euros for a meal. In case you didn't pick up on the subtle hint, none of these people have been on Expedition Robinson. I assumed so, because I'm thinking they would have another 38 days to go if they're on that show. Although it was hosted by two people who've been on this show before. Yeah, and the most recent season was also hosted by Art. So this was his audition tape when he was doing the tribal council for who got the clear exemption. Yeah, essentially, but yeah, Art has now taken over the hosting of uh, of Expedition Robinson as of the All-Star season that aired earlier this year. I love how blatant it was, the fact that that they were copying Survivor Expedition Robinson, not just by referencing it constantly, but also with having the Tribal Council set up and making everyone write for who they want the exemption on parchment, and then reading it from an urn, all the votes. I'm pretty sure the music that they used when they were heading to the island was the theme tune as well. Yes, it was. <laughs> that, that's exactly what I was about to say. They didn't just copy the idea of uh, Expedition Robinson, they actually parodied the uh, title sequence as well. That's so bizarre to think about, that you just reference a competing show constantly. So previously, the final five mourned the loss of Arf before coming face-to-face with their futures. Jan Willem used his to find money hidden on a wind turbine, and Sophie used Arf's to test her mole, but Tico got trolled by his as Susan picked up a mystery advantage. At the execution, Jan Willem was safe before Susan was given the choice to cancel the rest of the execution or benefit the pots, and she chose to save the rest of the group 
and all five continued on to episode eight. And they are now in Palawan on day 15. Arch reminds us of Susan's choice. She chose to save the group, sending everyone to paradise and to Turtle Island. What the candidates don't know is that they'll be on their own for now, nor that they have a huge decision to make who to give an exemption for the finale to. I love that Art's pretty much almost giddy with glee when he's doing the what the contestants don't know bit of his speech. Yeah, I, I would love to know the thought process on why they decided to just parody Survivor. And at what point they actually decided to do this. Because Hong Kong and Philippines both weren't replacement locations as far as I'm aware. Well, if you ever go into Palawan, it does look like it looks like the epitome of a Survivor filming location. Yeah, I'd be very surprised if nobody has filmed there. But as far as I'm aware, the Netherlands haven't. And I think it goes in hand with the fact that a lot of different franchises have filmed in somewhere in the Philippines. And then when you go to Palawan and you see the landscape for it, you think, oh, this is at least one season of Survivors had to have been in that exact spot. Carlantis filmed there. Yeah, I was literally just about to say that. I've I've just thought, hmm, Colanta's probably the most likely to have filmed there and looked it up, and Colanta has indeed filmed there. Which which beaches do they specifically use? I don't know. Wikipedia just says Palawan for season seven and then El Nido for season 22, which was this year, last year. Okay, that's kind of funny because like El Nido is the town in Palawan. So I'm curious when they say that they filmed just in Palawan, would that just have been at El Nido as well? <laughs> or if they used, uh, what's it, Karan, Karan Beach? That's really close to El Nido. Carolanta's Palawan season actually finished with the tie as well, and they both won. They both shared the prize. It looks like the El Nido season had a tie too. Can't have ties on Survivor for the final for the final two. They literally did this year as well. Yep. As Bindle said, this year's season... Uh, Litota Modi did indeed have a tie at the end. It's like in the American version of Big Brother when they had season two, and then after Will won, what was it, six votes to one, then the Julie Chen says, oh, we're going to interview with the two winners after this. And I'm thinking, no, one, one person won. There weren't winners. One person got more jury votes than the other. This isn't the amazing race. Do you know the best bit of it? The uh, the tie this year was a four four three vote. <clears throat> it couldn't have been any closer. If only they had one more juror, then what the hell happens? Because I think they've always wanted to have the in was it some of the seasons of American Survivor when they'd have a final three with nine jury members. People have always been wanting to know what happens if it's a three 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 tie, but they've made sure to avoid that that final three and jury structure for quite some time now. To make, so now we'll never know what happens in that scenario. Obviously, they do a fire-making challenge in Hollywood, so first person to burn down CBS wins. Yeah, first person to end Studio City for good gets the check. And then they lose all the money from the check to help pay for the damages to Studio City. The price is wrong, bitch. So the family photo happens at the airport just as if you landed. And the episode title is The Smiling Third. And after a long trip, they get a wonderful welcome from the locals before being shepherded to a boat. And the entire next segment, as I said, is a delightfully unsubtle Survivor parody. Including my favourite bit being the cutaways to what looks like Survivor intro shots. Oh, in terms of the intro? Yeah, they have a lot of like moody 
uh, looking out from a boat shots that that wouldn't look out of place if it was on a, a Survivor intro of some description. And I think Jan Willem has won the first confessions of the episode where he says that the mosquitoes weren't even the worst part of Palawan. The worst part of Palawan was art. Okay, quick question. Lots of mosquitoes, Art, Antigo, FMK. Oh, God. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to find a way to rationalize this ridiculous question, but, uh, but I just can't. I think the obvious solution is probably marry Art, fuck the mosquitoes, and kill Tico. Yeah, that would be painful with the mosquitoes, though. Yeah, it would be painful to be around Tico, though, wouldn't it? Well, I guess, yeah. I don't know which would give you more diseases. I feel like before I would have the chance to kill anyone, I would die from whatever choices I had made. I think most of Tigo's diseases they have treatments for now. Most of them. Most, yeah. Not all. And as I said, Ars is now the host of Expedition Robinson, and a lot of Vidim contestants have actually crossed over, none of whom sadly are from this season. And there is in fact a season, which is 2013, that features Everon, Sana, and Yan all together. What a combination. Averon was a very early boot from what I could see. Sana was sort of a mid-season and Yan got about fifth or sixth. And the rest were all just the 2013 Vidim cast? Yeah, pretty much. Which filmed first, the Expedition Robinson season? Or the Vidim season? Uh, well, Expedition Robinson 2013 was probably filmed at the start of 2013. This was before Art took over as a host as well. So Expedition Robinson would have filmed before this did. Art's only been the host of Expedition Robinson as of this last season just gone. It's a small it's a small community. And Art tells them that the beach that they're standing on will be their home for now, and is called Camp North, which is one of the frequent tribe names that they use on Expedition Robinson. They are lazy. <laughs> Well, it's, it's not as bad as the second UK one, which I think was North Team versus South Team, or North Island versus South Island. Yeah, that was the second season where it was, what was it, two tribes of six merge at 4-4, four, four. the one group of four just vanquishes the other. Yeah, and they're planning on bringing back UK Survivor next year sometime. <laughs> Hasn't the UK suffered enough? Presumably not with the million pound prize, because it's on the BBC. So Tico says he's distraught, he loves watching Survivor, but never wanted to participate, and now he's forced to. And Art gives them €3,000 to begin with and tells them that two chests are in the water, each one that they open will cost €1,500 of their winnings, and the left one features survival supplies. He also tells them that when they leave the island, they will be making a tricky choice. If I'm not mistaken, the, the voting thing was the unaired future that we didn't see in episode 6. Yes, um, so at the time the season aired, they basically put all five of the videos on the YouTube channel, and the one for this challenge was basically shots of the beach, the sun setting to suggest it was an overnight thing, and then the, the voting parchment and the urn. It didn't mention like the chests or the Connect Four or anything, but it was enough to hint that it was a survivor challenge. They're all in disbelief about being abandoned, and they are completely unprepared. Not that they're only left with the clothes on their back, because that would be too mean. They've got, by the look of things, their entire suitcase. Yeah, this whole scene is just, when you've seen as much Survivor as we have, it feels like a parody of a parody of Survivor with how much 
they're all suffering minutes into being stranded on this island that they know they can't be stranded for more than a day. The fascinating thing for me, I think, would be how the mole prepared for this. Because I don't think the mole does say in the end how they prepared for this, but I don't know how the mole would feel about being told, oh, by the way, you're doing a 24-hour survivor challenge. I'm going to be abandoned on this island. Yeah, but it's just to you. It's just 24 hours. In the Philippines. In dry season. It's not like the first Australian season where they were basically like, okay, you spent all day fishing, now you're going to spend overnight you know, on this freezing cold island at the bottom of Tasmania. And if anyone quits, they get an exemption. <laughs> yeah, these are pretty comfortable conditions, even by survivor standards. The weather's dry, it's comfortable. They got a few bugs, nothing over the top. And they know there's a finish line of just 24 hours. And also, I can't believe I'm saying this, but they have the advantage of Tico, who obviously was in the scouts. Like, Tico does about 90% of the work in this challenge. <laughs> the one thing that made me laugh so hard is him and Freak trying to get down just one coconut from the coconut tree. <laughs> By using a massive bamboo pole rather than, you know, climbing it like a normal person. Yeah. So funny. They both tried so hard, too, and it just wouldn't come down. The thing that made me laugh more than anything about this entire survivor challenge if you can call it that is Jan Willem trying to fish with a frying pan (laughs) (laughs) and he was diving that's the next thing I had my notes too when he he dives along the shore with the frying pan going downwards (laughs) it's like are are they trying to make fun of survivor or is this completely genuine and I just saw a guy hunting for crabs by trying to crush a crab with a frying pan on the shoreline. The good news is they had a reward challenge that wasn't shown, but the prize was a Roomba, so it was completely useless. Or uh, when Susan and Sophie were trying to fish, and they have the worst-looking fishing rods I've ever seen, and they're sitting neck-deep in the water too, trying to fish right beside themselves, thinking, this won't spook the fish. That was so close to being our banner this week, but there's one moment from the end of this challenge that made me laugh far, far harder. I have to admit, I kind of want to watch Expedition Robinson now just just to see if they're all as bad as these people. I was thinking in the Netherlands, there's probably not too many places to go camping, right? Not on a tropical island. They'd have to go to the Antilles, I would assume. And then how many people go to the Antilles just to go camping. I assume anyone who goes to the Antilles, for the most part, would be going to the resorts there. To nice hotels. Nice hotels, yeah. So I was thinking, geez, this is a knowledge that's passed down too far after I just watched Ian Willem try to demolish a crab with a frying pan underneath the water. And then Susan trying to keep the bugs off of her face by covering her face with her hat, and then Immediately shooing away the hat and then just attacking the mosquitoes in the air. I feel like if Jan Willem wanted to know about crabs, there was somebody in this cast he could have asked. Speaking of which, Tigo says he <laughs> wished he would have eaten 16 eggs like Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. And then he says, oh, then I would have been fine for 24 hours. It's 24 hours. I think Gandhi lasts a lot longer than that without eating. Nobody in this cast will ever go on a hunger strike. 
if they tried to go on a hunger strike, it would be so short that no one would even notice that they had attempted a hunger strike. So after starving themselves for all of three hours, they decide to get one of the chests, and it contains bananas, some tin food, some bread rolls, and some noodles, which is a complete waste of 1,500 euros. And they get matches, though. Now they'll survive. But yeah, they all said, this was 100 euros per banana. Sophie says she could do an entire year's grocery run for 1,500 euros. And all I have to say is that has aged horribly in 2022. (laughs) Yeah, I was about to say, ah, I was doing the math in my head. I think 1,500 euros would last me about two months. And that's, you know, just for me, not for five people. Yeah, I think at the moment, with petrol prices as they are, you'd be hard-pressed to get a full tank of petrol for 1,500 euros. So Tico says whether you take big bites or small, the size of the banana is the same. I feel like that's a a philosophical life quote. I feel like it's just him talking from experience. (laughs) And with the matches from the chest, they do get a fire going, which they hope will deter the mosquitoes. And the thing is, they already get a break from the conditions because a Mickey Mouse Filipino boat picks them up. It does. And they get taken to a game of Connect 5. There's two kind of hallmarks of this era of Vidim, I would say. One is playing children's games for the final exemption of the season, and one is the need to defend the final exemption of the season. And we see both in this episode. And it takes up about 80% of the episode. Yeah. This is, I mean, the closest Vidim can get to a survivor-style challenge in terms of directly eliminating people and doing coconut chop, but with, you know, Connect 5. I was thinking, too, they really had no choice but to do some major twist here if they wanted to have a 24-hour island challenge because Vidim has such a short filming schedule that they're thinking, okay, if we're going to do one day of filming of them on this island, we have to squeeze in a couple other challenges within this time. So I guess that's why they threw in this clear exemption and throwing in Connect 5 and the vote as to who is going to defend the exemption as well. I just figured it was part of the parody because this is basically just an immunity challenge. An immunity challenge and then tribal council. It's coconut chop. It's coconut chop, but in a Vidim style. Coconut chop mixed with battleship from Survivor Fiji. And like, you know, it's pretty inspired for a Survivor challenge parody, but it's no go fish. No, I, I quite like them doing Connect 5 because it does show where everyone's cards are, but it's just so incongruous to the island setting to bring out the plastic. And Art even, you know, disappears during the game. Yeah, he doesn't care. Yeah. Freak puts in another piece, blocking Sophie and Susan from possibly being eliminated from the challenge. T goes up next. What is he going to do? Where will he put his piece in Connect 5? Tico's looking for a reward that'll fix wishing. They'll be playing a version of Connect 4, as no one was eliminated last execution, it's now Connect 5. They'll be doing it in reverse, and trying to eliminate each other by forming lines of each other's colours. The first three to be eliminated will not be eligible to claim the exemption for the finale. And as with the rest of the season, they get to decide the order, and choose to go alphabetically as always. If I were Freak, I would have been pushing a little bit harder not to go first. Because you're the one that sends the first shot, and then whoever you go after is going to come after you, and then the other three will just want to go along with that. Yeah. The others can just take an attitude of as long as it ain't me, and gang up on you. 
And it's been a long time since they did like backwards alphabetical order. So do that again. Make Tigo go first. So Freak is first to place and he chooses Sophie, which is nothing personal. Jan Willem then piggybacks on that, as he probably should, before Sophie puts one of Jan Willems in. Susan chooses not to go for Sophie, as she is Susan's mole, and the mole getting an exemption keeps it out of the hands of everyone else. She gives Jan Willem a second instead. Tigo goes for Sophie, but on a diagonal, and Jan Willem is confused by the tactics, or lack thereof. Then Freik goes for Jan Willem, and Jan Willem makes a tactical mistake, trying to block his line with Sophie's colour. He then gets ganged upon by the following three people, and is first eliminated from the challenge. Freik then targets Sophie and earns his own couple, meaning that he could be eliminated by the other three. Sophie thinks tactically, though, and targets Susan before Susan targets Freik. And then it just becomes a Tico and Freik alliance, taking Sophie out and then taking Susan out. This is probably how a real season of Expedition Robinson would go with these five people. What is it about Tico that lets people align with him? He's an arsehole. Everyone should hate him, and yet they don't. It's it's strange. You know, five hours on an island will make you go delirious. I think that's the only explanation. But yeah, with Susan getting eliminated in third place, that leaves Tico and Freik as the only ones with a chance to win the exemption for the finale, and that will be determined by the other three people. I saw that twist coming. So did I, but I've seen the season before, to be fair. Oh, I see. <laughs> but I thought, if it's down to two... And we have to figure out a way to determine who gets the exemption, and three people are eliminated. Wait a second, we've got ourselves a jury vote. This entire challenge is just about everybody showing their cards and who they actually like and who they think is the mole. Yeah, there's a lot of mind games going on. Because even when the three of them, Susan, Sophie, and Jan Willem, are deciding who they should vote for to have the chance at the clear exemption, the discussion is quite funny because... Susan says, well, we should go for who we think the mole is. And then Sophie says, well, what if your mole isn't eligible? And then Jan Willem says, well, then you go for who you think is the next most suspicious. No one wants to out who their top suspect is at the moment. No, of course they don't. It's final five and they know at least one more of them is going home. But they know that the best chance for them to survive is for the mole to have the exemption. So Jan Willem returns to the island annoyed at himself for getting himself eliminated, but then he takes out his guitar and has a sing-song with Freik to make it all better. <laughs> I'm surprised we didn't see Andy Bernard the Nard Dog from The Office start uh, jumping in with this acapella. I had completely forgotten about this scene. So did I. And then another way to know that this season aired almost 10 years ago is at the end of Jan Willem singing, he says, in one week, it'll be on sale on iTunes for four ninety nine. I do have that note. They date it slightly by saying people can buy it on iTunes. Also, who brings a guitar with them on the mole? He pried it from uh, Sonia Christopher's dead hands. Yeah, no, we had a harp that one time. That would have travelled all the way from Schiphol, probably, to Hong Kong and then on to the three places in the Philippines they've been. Maybe they squeeze it into the Ellis Island envelope. It's like, oh, wait, there's this guitar. Maybe it was in that chest. <laughs> Essential items. We, let's see, we got 10 bananas, canned food, and oh, a guitar. Oh. The good news, it's firewood. Maybe it was the case that in order to take the chest, they also had to accept a punishment. And the punishment was Jan Willem being allowed to play the guitar. 
maybe on the PAL version of Guitar Hero, they have this song by Jan Willem as one of the unlockable bonus tracks on it. They pay you to take it. <laughs> I think my favorite part of this whole scene is like they focus on the men and then sort of in the background you have Susan and Sophie just sort of Statler and Waldorf in the whole thing. I know I've said this to you, Bindles, and we're late enough in the season that I can I can say this to Logan now. I love Susan and Sophie as a pair. They do not trust each other in the slightest, and yet they have enough of a friendship that they can just chat shit about everybody around them. And, I mean, I'd forgotten how good Sophie is in this season in terms of entertainment value. She's no Susan making brilliant reactions, and we'll get to the one that is our banner in a minute, but Susan needs Sophie in this season just to bring out all of her entertainment value, I think. Uh, So Jan Willem then asks if Susan regrets saving someone, and she says she might have had a red screen herself and missed out on this adventure. Then they wake up quite sleep-deprived on day 16, still on the island, and as they are about to eat breakfast, a boat appears again, and it is taking them away from Turtle Island. Oh, there is one hilarious visual that happened the day before, when Sophie's trying to pull that branch down. (laughs) And she's completely hanging by the branch, trying to use her full body weight to bring it down, but the branch won't snap. I wish I was a bit heavier for this. Why didn't I eat another banana? So they then arrive at an abandoned island called Matinlock for their own makeshift final tribal council. Art tells them before they vote that Freak owes him 1,500 euros for them opening a chest. I'm glad they were at Matinlock Island and not Matlock Island, where they would have just been stuck watching a, a series of old shitty murder mysteries. So Art then practices his tribal council chat before Jan Willem votes for Tico, and Susan and Sophie both vote for Frake, awarding him the exemption for the finale, assuming that he still has it after the next execution. And what a fucking relief that wasn't given to Tigo. Well, yeah. Granted, trying to see Tigo bend in with the local Filipino population would have been hilarious to see, given how great of a job he, he did the last time he was assigned to blend in. Well, it's really interesting because Tico directly invokes the previous season, and obviously you've not seen South Africa, but I think I have referenced this before, that the exact same situation happened in that season, in that someone won an exemption through to the finale as long as they got through the final five test. And let's just say he didn't get through the final five test and was a little bit gutted about it. And unsurprisingly, Tico is friends with him given that they're basically the exact same character. I wonder how Tigo would have done if he tried to do this challenge. Would Jan Willem have just gone up to him in, in 10 seconds, in the first two seconds after Tigo meets up with Art, because Tigo would be playing a trumpet as he approaches uh, Art at the basketball court? Yeah, given we've seen how Tico behaves when he's trying to be sneaky, there is not a chance in hell Tico manages to make it to Art unscathed. No, he'd get him one of the rickshaw things and then basically just insist on honking the horn the whole way down there. Honk the horn and then use his Wario or Waluigi voice the whole time? Wah. I'm a number one. And all I have to say on the art saying that Freak will be able to play it assuming he survives the next test is it's not a final four? That is brand new information. We'd sort of skirted around it, and I can say this now. I believe it is one challenge and then the final four test next episode, and then one challenge in the final three one. I hate that format. So do we. That's why they don't do it anymore. 
yeah, you might hate it, but it may or may not have a good payoff. So I don't hate it in this season, put it that way. All I will say is that every person who was cast in Renaissance did not make the final test. Dirt Tico has to go next. <laughs> I, I can't believe he's the only person to get to the finale twice. Well, kind of. I don't care him getting to the finale next week, for obvious reasons. As Art tells us that the exemption will be useless to Frake unless he can defend it, and it will be vulnerable twice more before the end of the episode. And as I said, this is an era of Vidum which required you to not only win the final exemption, but defend it. And it is something adapted by Mole Australia 6 for every exemption in the entire season apart from the final one, I think. But I don't necessarily hate it when it's the last one of the season. I do like people having to earn and then keep their final exemptions. I don't mind it. I do think that they need to be challenges that make it feel like an exemption is earned. Yeah, like basically doing proto-hunted isn't a riveting challenge for him to defend his exemption in. The one in South Africa involves, you know, firing a laser gun from a helicopter. That's a pretty cool challenge. On the other hand, you know, you have an exemption, pay $15,000 or you lose it is not. I'm guessing that's more Australia. Yes. Yeah, Mall Australia 6 was 2013, was it not? Uh, yes. So it was right in this this era of Vidum where it was defend your exemptions. And I don't believe they did it after this season. I can't remember off the top of my head, Michael. Does Belgi do defend your exemptions? No. No, I don't think it does. I think my favourite thing about this challenge is, you know, we've just mentioned Mall Australia 6, but this is based very loosely on a challenge for Mole Australia 2, which was like one of the very, very early seasons. And this is almost as good as like the classic sort of Mole challenges. I think this one works so well because the four people chasing Freak are so inept. Yeah. And I've I stayed in El Nido for a few days. The area they were in, I recognized a couple of streets. It wouldn't have been a big area to try and zero in on Freak. Well, he only had 20 minutes to get there, and he had to find it. So I imagine probably like two, 300 metres? Yeah, something like that. So Art meets the non-exempt four on a beach, and claims that Freik is spending time with his exemption. He will be arriving in El Nido in 15 minutes' time, and has 20 minutes to then find Art to keep his exemption, unless they arrive within a minute of his arrival, which is exactly like the win an exemption at Final Five in Japan, can I point out. In that case, he will lose his exemption, and they will earn two and a half thousand euros for the pot. In summary, your time of the run has begun. And I also must point out, seeing as though I spotted it on Instagram earlier, that um, Belgium is adapting hunted celebrities that Holland loves to do, and that we've done for years. But they're doing their own spin on it, in that instead of going on the run for 28 days, as a former mole of Vidum did, they are going on the run for 50 hours. 50 hours? 50 hours. Just around Antwerp, or...? <laughs> no idea. They have to stay hidden from the the Klopjakt hunters for 50 hours to win. If they spend 1,500 euros, do they get some supplies to help keep themselves alive for the whole 50 hours? I have no more information than that, but it really tickled me when I saw the advert earlier. I could spend 50 hours hiding from people in my own house. <laughs> I know. If you compare it to, like, the UK Celebrity Hunted is 14 days, the Dutch one, I think, they did the full 28 days a couple of times, Hunted VIPs, and then, yeah, Klopjakt Celebs is, indeed, 50 hours long, and a GoPlay exclusive. Interesting. I'm sure there'll be more Belgian contestants on it. 
I don't think there are. There's only two pairs on it as well. None of whom I recognise. It's like a mini game. Yeah, and it's um, it's GoPlay exclusive as well, from what I could see. Okay then. Uh, Freak gets to hear the chatter on the walkie-talkies. Do you think the other four contestants should have caught on that that might be part of the challenge? I think it's such a brilliant evolution, but there is no way those hunters were winning with that in play. And I love it. I like how Tigo indirectly gives Freak the Wayne strategy, because Tigo says, well, if Freak was smart, he would get into a mode of transport and then use that to find art. And as he's saying that, Freak realizes that's what he should do. Gets into a mode of transport right behind Tigo, doesn't get spotted, and that leads him straight to art. It's hard because the walkie-talkie twist sort of thing, that was part of the original Australian challenge, but then they also had like a disadvantage in that they had to carry like a big bulky mannequin torso around the centre of Melbourne for an hour um, just so to make it easier for the hunters to find them. And I don't think Freak really had any like disadvantage here. They probably should have given him. From my limited experience of suffering through watching Hunted Australia, that just seems normal for Melbourne to me from what I saw of it. Oh, yeah. Like, you blend in in Melbourne carrying a headless mannequin torso. It's just art, darling. You just have uh, Brooke screaming, this is too heavy. It's like carrying twins. That is five years ago that we watched that season, just for the record. I do think it's slightly unfair that um, that Frake had the advantage of letting a dog out to distract Jan Willem at one point as well. <laughs> yeah. He found the hidden dog cage that was in El Nido and just released released the hound to uh, to distract Yanwell. In fairness, the dog is a very, very good boy. Yeah, it is. It's a, a VVGB. So was the, was the dog just able to block Yanwell's view enough to where he couldn't see Freak standing next to Art? Well, he was sat on the curb, I think, so he was pretty much eye level with the dog. So yeah, the dog was just kind of fussing over him and Freak took the opportunity, I think. Why didn't he just move? Well, yeah, obviously. It's Jan Willem. <laughs> he's, he's not, it's not mandatory for him to have his view blocked by a dog. We can say this now, we officially know he isn't the mole. Jan Willem is claimed to be a very bright guy, but he is very easily distracted by dogs. <laughs> and by bright shiny things. Like at that point, you would just stand up. It doesn't really matter to him. Because the whole thing was just to get to art within one minute of when Freak gets there, right? Yeah, Freight doesn't need to not see you. Yeah. It's absolutely fine for Freight to see you as long as, you know, he's not right on the last minute. Yeah, couldn't you just form a human chain around Art, all four of them, and that's the challenge? I mean, they could have just predicted he was going to start from the dock and just wait there for him. That would have been my tactic, to be fair, is split up over the um, the likely departure points. There's a couple of really clever editing jokes in this challenge. There's one conventional where I think Frank says he blends in really well and then you just follow like a whole bunch of shots of locals and then a very, very noisy rooster and then they cut to Tigo. <laughs> yeah, Tigo blends in more with the roosters than he does with people. And one thing I learned about Dutch culture is they refer to it as a basketball field instead of a basketball court. Uh, it's a basketball court, guys. So, as you said, Tico gives him the idea to get transport towards the house as it'll cover his tracks. And he was right behind Freak and can be seen in the wing mirror, but doesn't recognize him. 
Jan Willem says it's apparent that you cross the main streets, so they split up along the side streets, and he finds Art near a basketball court, and then hides behind a truck till he sees Freik. They all hide around Art's location, not realising that Freik can hear them. He is then distracted by a dog, meaning he doesn't spot Freik running in, and Tico even tells him to look at the dog gently. And Freik successfully defends his exemption, earning the group nothing of two and a half thousand euros, and one and a half thousand euros of five and a half for the episode, and 14,950 or 45,250 for the season so far, 8,700 of which has been sent to Ellis Island, and they could have earned an extra 27,300 euros from Ellis Island with interest. What's even funnier with how badly Jan Willem screwed up his position, because they're all saying, no, do you guys see Freak? Do you guys see Freak around Art? And Jan Willem is supposedly the one with the clearest view of Art, but he has the dog completely in his face, and he says, it's all clear. It's not all clear. The dog is obscuring 90% of your vision. Why wouldn't you say your position's compromised and let somebody else be the one to get the viewpoint, the clear shot of art, and say if it's clear? Not the guy who has a dog covering up his whole line of vision. I did love at one point they had Susan basically hiding behind a car, and then someone asked over the walkie-talkie, are you behind the Burgundy Toyota? And Susan's like, um, not really. And then you cut to her, and she's sitting right behind the Burgundy Toyota. I am to the left of the Burgundy Toyota. The absolute meanest bit of this entire thing is Art slinking out, speaking to Jan Willem and saying, oh, did you not spot Freak? He's been in there well over a minute. You're lost. You can tell everyone else. You're a loser. Like, the contempt Art has for them is is just delicious. Or just be like, yeah, did you not know that Freak has been in here for two days? Let's open this up. Oh my god, he's dead. That that would have been quite the twist. So, there's an exemption for the finale up for grabs. The dog's got him. If they open it up and he's dead, it's the worst episode of the Mars Cena ever. <laughs> well, second worst behind the Rudy Giuliani episode. Oh no, the cupboard's eliminated. Take it <laughs> off. Take it off. <laughs> So it's now time for the test. 20 questions on the identity and actions of the mole, whoever knows the least goes home, except for the mole who can never go home. Tico still has a yoker inexplicably, and Freik has an exemption for the finale, assuming he makes it through this test. Freik says Sophie's number one on his list. Susan's also suspicious of Sophie, but there are three other people. Freik is like a sphinx. He can really retreat into himself with focus, so he might end up being the biggest surprise of the season. Tico plays his yoker and says it's one of the two women, he wants to make it to the finale and is now taking a big risk. Sophie says Susan is her one mole. At this point in the game, you've got to show your true colours. She completes her test quickly and then has a little dance party. <laughs> yeah. Loud enough for the rest of El Nino to hear, Yes, I couldn't have done that any faster. I'm the best. <laughs> and Jan Willem says that Susan is a good mole candidate. She's a good actress and doesn't perform well. Sophie's playing Divide and Conquer because she's pitting people against each other. He can't afford to hedge his bets now. He needs to be right or go home. Art says there are currently five people in the game, but in only a few days there will be just a winner, a loser, and a mole. So two of them still have to go home. Freak is the first to see his screen, and his screen is green. He will be the first finalist, no matter what happens at Final Four. Sophie's then next to see her screen, and it's also green, as is Tico's, leaving just Susan or Jan Willem. Jan Willem is the fourth to see his screen, and it is the red one, sending Susan to episode 9, and sending him straight home to not interview himself. You know what's odd is that everyone was really, really happy for Freak, 
to get to the final three. And then when the next screen for Sophie appears, she just gets a pat on the back from Freak. So I don't know why, but everyone was really happy for Freak, but not really for anybody else, even though he's going to screw everyone else over from a possible shot at the final three. That two of the four of them have to go home in order to get into the final three. And then furthermore, they voted for Freak to get the exemption. Not a single person out of the five suspects Freak is the mole. No, that's the thing to bear in mind. If Freak isn't the mole, and I'm not saying if he is or isn't, but if he isn't the mole, at this point, whoever goes home probably has a one in two shot of going home next episode. And obviously we know that's Tico, so I don't know why I'm skirting around it. But Tico potentially goes home with a 50-50 shot at Final Four. So Freak says he's surprised that Jan Willem went home during the challenges, he admitted his tactics, and Freak often felt stupid when Jan Willem explained things. Tico lost a friend from day two, they became a team when they shared a beer while everyone else went to bed. Sophie says it was a shame because he was a very clever candidate, and then immediately corrects herself by saying, well, not that much of a shame because it's less competition now. And when Art speaks to him, he says he took a gamble and it ended badly, but he has no regrets. I also have to point out something that me and Biddles talked about off-air after episode one, but at the end of every episode, they've had Art do a voiceover going, if you want to hear more from ex-eliminated candidate, listen to this radio show tomorrow. And the radio show is actually Jan Willems, and for Jan Willems' execution, he did not interview himself, and nor did Euroan interview him by the sound of things. So we interviewed him. They just didn't do an exit interview with him, because it's his show. And presumably he talked about it a lot that day anyway. It'd be funny if he pretended to interview himself. It'd be a real Glenn Beck move. So next time, Art welcomes him to Ellis Island. Sophie spots a big red flag, and no, it doesn't belong to Tico. Two of the envelopes have the same handwriting, and the final four face two more tests before one of them is unveiled as the mole. And we get a big celebration with the four that remain. Or rather, Freak gets to have... I don't even know what to call that dance that he does at the end. There's a bit of a pause when Tigo has to point out saying, well, we're just battling out amongst us three. You're, you're safe, Freak. And he's like, oh yeah, that's right. And then... He's just getting his freak on. Yeah, he's just... <laughs> I was waiting for that. Yeah, that's what Missy Elliott was singing about. She was singing about Freak the whole time. So, Mr. Saunders, who are your penultimate set of suspicions? Uh, well, the fact that Tio goes home next and suspecting Susan makes me believe that Sophie has to be the mole, but I feel like that's a terrible reason to... That's a lousy reason to switch suspects, so... Number one is Susan, number two is Sophie, then number three is Freak. Interesting. And I'll also remind you now, after you watch episode nine, you need to do your final set of suspicions before watching the reveal. Oh, okay. Sounds good. Have you got anything else you want to say? No, I think we covered it pretty well this episode. Just as one housekeeping note, I know I mentioned it last episode, but as is traditional, we'll be doing the finale and reunion both back-to-back next week. So there is one more episode of the season for us. And we're not doing the clip show that was after that. We are not. So, thank you for listening to our Vista Mall 2014 recap. We'll be back next week to conclude the hunt for an old mall in Hong Kong and the Philippines. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram where we are RTV Warriors, or you can email us and contact rtvwarriors.com. Logan's on Twitter at Logsquacky, Bindles is Grim Recapper, and I'm MJ Harmstone. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash rtvwarriors. Thank you as always to Marika for the subtitles, and we'll see you next week for the final two episodes.
Peace out and just chill till the next of flavoring. The tribe has spoken, Tigo. Go away.